Would you open God's precious holy word to the 148th Psalm? I have been in many kinds of worship services in the Christian faith. I've been to the Vatican one time, take it or leave it, <clears throat> but inside the basilica there is an amazing sound chamber. It's very large and I've heard their priest chants and their altar choirs. Didn't know the language they were singing in, but it was interesting. And to a, to a degree, uh, satisfying. I, I'm, I'm in no way Roman Catholic and I don't get into those things, but... In that experience, it was, it was interesting. I've been in worship services where choirs from other nations were in concert. The spirit of worship was abounding. I have been in worship services where the choir and, and, and instrumentalists of the church where I was just did marvelous job and it just seemed to absorb everybody into a spirit of worship on particular occasions. We used to go to the Southern Baptist Convention every year when my kids were growing up. It was in various cities across the nation. We went to a, we went to a convention in Las Vegas. I don't think the kids were with us, were they? <laughs> it was just you and me. <laughs> Las Vegas. And I'm sure they, they probably lost a lot of money, but they won the bid that year for the convention. And in those annual convention meetings of the Southern Baptist Convention, the pastor's conference, which preceded the convention itself, was a powerful service of several, not just one, services of worship. Pastor's conference went two days. And the finale of the convention itself, as I recall, or the introduction of the convention was that uh, the grandest choirs of the biggest Southern Baptist churches and their combined orchestras would come together. So there would be how many voices? 400, 500 maybe? Hundreds and hundreds of voices. And... 
all the Baptists knew how to sing these songs. And it was a powerful time of worship that just seemed to bring everybody together in oneness and a a lifting up of praise to the creator and you never wanted it to stop. Now that's just earth-made. That's man-made worship. I'm sure aided by the spirit of God in our lives. We have wonderful worship in my view, here. Songs of different uh, styles. In the 90s, Southern Baptist churches were going through what was called worship war. (laughs) Younger generation wanted more contemporary music. The older generations sat with their arms folded and their eyebrows furrowed and they would not be moved. And that was an interesting time. Birthed out of that was something called blended (laughs) worship. Uh, Blended worship. You have to put the best spin you can on these things. So if you didn't do some of the contemporary stuff, you're going to lose your younger people because these churches were popping up. If, if you moved away from traditional hymns, you're going to lose your older people. It was a different time, an interesting time. So back in those days, our minister of music went to a, a conference. Now we had a, at that particular church, we had an orchestra and a big choir and He did a magnificent job with all of that. And admittedly, it was out of his comfort zone to ask him to include contemporary music. Now we're talking 30 years ago. Because as they all were then, they, you know, they, they, they kept time with their hand and you, it was just normal that, you know, he, he was just always, even when there was no reason for him to be directing and there was people, an ensemble, he was still just, it was just a, every time he heard them, it, just, it was just beating the time, you know. And he came back from the conference and he was just like shaking all over He came to give a report to me in the office. Brother Charles. Now this this man, I think he's a year older than me. We were in high school together. A magnificent musician and worship leader. But he came into a new arena and I, I think the conference was in Gatlinburg and he came back and he was just like, like a leaf on a tree. He didn't know what to do. He said, did you know there are five in the Southern Baptist Church 
There are five types of traditional worship. I didn't know that. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't ask him to explain it or define it. But he said, this, that's not all. Now this was in that, that day. I don't know how it is now, but in that day he said, there are 13 different kinds of contemporary worship. <laughs> I said, well, that'll be a trick. Blended worship, number one. Blended worship, number two. So you had to, you had to bounce around and trying to please everybody. You wind up pleasing nobody when you try to please everybody. So we, had, we started an early service. We didn't, need an, <laughs> we didn't need an early service. Our sanctuary would seat 1,200 people. But we started an early service so that we could do the... The contemporary was first, wasn't it? I, I can't remember. It's like the old, old man that... The old man that split the church on where to put the organ and the piano on which side they were going. And when he got old, he was still fighting the fight, but he forgot which side was which. He forgot which side was the right side for the organ. And so, and I'll tell you this. When all you've ever had is a robed choir, this was in the days when I wore a suit and tie all the time. Just, I guess I was trying to impress people. I don't know. But when, you, when you've had nothing, no, that's just the way it was. You never thought of, any, of it any other way. I mean, it's just the way it was. It's robed choir all the time. You do something unfair because all of the singers that you have are in the robed choir and you're asking them, you, you select eight or 10 of them to be your praise team. <laughs> and you, you have, you have, now you, you have some drums and some guitars and stuff and pretty good players. They're pretty good, pretty good musicians. But you have middle-aged people who have never done anything but sing in a robed choir. It's the best you can do. And so you put those eight or ten people out there and they're trying to, you know. <laughs> and it just didn't work well in my, in my view. <laughs> and so I don't know how you define something like that. But I have been in every kind of worship service you can imagine. I sang in a quartet, Southern Baptist Quartet, for I don't know, three or four years. Trust me. I saw every kind of worship service imaginable when I was in the quartet. We were really in some places that could really get juiced up and be very active and just have a good time, a good time. I've seen them dancing in the aisles. 
One church had a, a vent heater, what you call them, the floor heater thing right here. And there was one right back there where you come in, had two section vials. And there was a, a lady. This was on a decoration day at a church and we were singing and boy, I tell you, we were getting, we were, we were getting the responses, you know. This lady was back to my right and she got up. Now, you know, she, I'm sure she's much younger then than I am now, but to me, she was old. And, and she was getting in it, and uh, she came out. You know, it was decoration. She had high heels, and she was dressed fit to kill. She come out of that back pew, or second to third to the back, right about where that floor heater was. And she got those heels caught in that floor heater. <laughs> And you, you know, you'd see her and she, you know, she had a dress on her. You'd see she go. <laughs> she was doing her best to be a part of what was going on. We were at a church close to the Georgia line, Cherokee County. Was it your lap that woman jumped in or was it somebody? <laughs> Wasn't yours? Betty's, Betty's lap, yeah. That was about the third verse of a song, and she was ready for some action. And she made it herself. She could make her own action. She was an older lady. And she, her thing was, let me see if I can do it right. Woo! That's about it, wasn't it? That, that was her position. She's pretty limber for an older lady. Woo! Well, now she'd, she'd start coming out of the pew there. Man, she'd get a little faster. She'd stop and give it a, a time or two. And then she started kind of running and she jumped. A lady in our group was, her name was Betty. Another group was singing. And she jumped and landed flat in Betty's lap. Looked right in her face and said, Woo! I could go on with this all night. This is my introduction to a sermon entitled The Glory and Grandeur of Worship. And I always enjoyed that stuff. We would laugh about that woman, although not at her, but how she engaged in worship, you know. All the different things and the ways that different doctrinal persuasionals would, would worship. We were in churches sometimes, particular church. Let me shut up. Is that why you? No. Okay. Whenever she clears her throat and crosses her arms, that means I think you've gone far enough with this. <clears throat> She's get, grant me this one more because it's about you. We were in a certain church that was in a certain denomination that did not believe in makeup, 
women wearing pants. Now, when, when been, yeah, I know you had on a dress. I wasn't going to accuse you of not wearing a dress, sure. But Pat, young, world-class beauty, <laughs> pearls and stuff hanging all over her neck, sparkling dress, makeup. And there was this evangelist. This was for a revival. And he had an interesting habit of focusing on people. And if people stood up, that meant you're giving me a blessing, brother. And that was apparently his invitation to take his Bible with a couple of guys with him and wipe hit people in the face, wiped it in their face, his Bible. And they would fall out. They would just, boom. And he had two guys there to catch him. In that particular church on that particular night, Pat looked like a Christmas tree in the middle of the desert at night. <laughs> And I started sweating. And I said, if he touches her, I'm going to kill him. And he kept looking at Pat with longer and longer glimpses. With his Bible at the ready. And I said, go to the bus. She said, okay, thank you. Was that the night that your pearls no, busted all over the place? No, and it took 30 minutes for them to quit bouncing? Yeah, okay, that was another, that was another worshipful moment. <laughs> but there's always something to enjoy when you're with the people of God and everybody is of a mind to worship. Worship is the name of it all. This is why God has called us to himself. And he would inhabit that worship. And his purpose in creation and salvation is to be glorified and worshiped into the ages of the ages. Now, I have to tell you, I went through all of that to tell you that I have really engaged in some interesting and really wonderful worship services. You didn't want it to stop. You go into those Southern Baptist conventions and there's 30,000, 40,000 Southern Baptists and they can all sing all four parts of the hymn. And some popular music guy, minister of music, whatever, from one of the bigger churches would come and he would lead, he would lead those conventioneers in about 15 or 20 hymns. Oh man. If you, if you sung bass, you know, 
you'd try to outbase the other basin. It was still, it was good. And then they would seat you in this choir of hundreds of voices from the biggest churches in the convention. And I guess maybe a hundred piece orchestra, something like that, maybe more. They would cut loose with the introduction of the choir song and the choir would sing. Oh, it was just glorious. And you thought, man, that's a wonderful song. But, then, but that wasn't their biggie. You know, every choir or group, they have, a, they have a thing that they finish on. So after about two or three choir numbers, they would do the, the biggie. And you were, you were just ready to explode in the glory of it all. And it's kind of a letdown because it doesn't matter. Of course, all the big name preachers would be on the list to preach. And you were so filled with anticipation. It didn't matter what he said. It was going to bless your heart. I knew a guy when I was in the seminary. He was an older guy. He was one of our professors and he was talking about the big, uh, the big um, crusade in London that Billy Graham had uh, conducted a long time ago. And we were talking in a little group. He said, he, he actually went, I think he went to Wheaton or something with Billy Graham. They knew each other. And so the seven-day meeting scheduled kept going. The people didn't diminish at all. The churches came to Billy Graham there in England and London. They said, you got to keep this going. We've never seen anything like this. So they announced, we're going to keep going until we can't go anymore. All that made everybody happy. Billy Graham called my professor. I think it was Dr. Green. I can't remember which one it was. He said, send me the manuscript of every sermon you have ever preached. I want you to get it on some kind of courier, get it over here as quickly as you can by jet plane. I need them all. I need the manuscripts of them. He said, I sent him every sermon that I had manuscripted. Big box of sermons typed out. Yeah, I said, I was always the pastor of a, of a downtown Baptist church, and I would preach those sermons. People just stare at me, and every once in a while, a couple of, a mom and a daddy would, would bring a child forward to receive Christ. And he said, man, Billy Graham preached those sermons in London. And he, he kept sending me messages. I preached a sermon entitled Thus and So Tonight. And the Lord blessed. And we had 35,000 come to Christ. 
He said, I'd preach that same sermon. <laughs> it wouldn't nobody stir at all. But Billy Graham got my sermons and thousands of people were coming. Worship is a, a glorious and wonderful thing. Here in this psalm, we study the glory and grandeur of worship. It tells you how important it is to the heart of God. Because God receives worship both from animate and inanimate things. Let's look at it. Psalm 148. The heavens praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Or praise Yah. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Okay. When the, when, when the psalmist talks about going to the heavens and down in verse 4, the highest heavens, which I, I think in, in literally, let's see, heaven, the heavens of heavens. Well, that's the highest heaven. Praise him in the heights or the highest places. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. So the projection here is, into heaven, God's heaven, the highest heaven, the heaven of heavens, the heights, the highest place. There's no greater or higher place than where Yahweh is. And the elect angels, the myriads, the ranks, the unnumbered multitude of his angels all around him and they praise him. May I say, we have no idea of how glorious the praise is in heaven. And some people walk around and wag their heads and say, man, I, I don't know if I can just go to church all the time and I'm saved and I look forward to going to heaven. But I, I just don't know if I can go to church. Well, hey, you have no idea what worship is like. I don't have any idea of what worship is like in heaven. The myriads of angels, the seraphim, I can see it now. In a million years, I'll get a, a card in my celestial mail inscribed with diamond dust saying the Caribbean Quartet will be in concert for worship and praise this evening. Now don't you think about this. We know there are horns and stringed instruments in heaven. We know this. Symbols. We know this. Now, a cherubim has four faces, wings, hands, and who knows how nimble he is with his feet. That means the one, <laughs> this is the gospel according to Charles, you take it or leave it. A cherubim, one cherubim could play 
four wind instruments at the same time. He's a quartet to himself with his four faces. Wings and hands to play a stringed instrument. Feet to play cymbals. Timpani. We had an orchestra at the church I mentioned earlier. And I thought it was wonderful. It was a grand thing. But I didn't know how great an orchestra could be until we spent lots of money and bought a set of timpani. When we added that timpani to that orchestra, it was another world. It was a whole new thing. So maybe with his feet, the cherubim can dance on timpani. I don't know. Suppose it's just that way all the time. Some far group of angels back in the ranks there start singing something that, and some people say angels don't sing. I don't know why they can't, but it doesn't say that they do in the Bible. But I'm going to pretend for tonight that they do. Maybe that's what we'll have to teach them how to sing. It's way back about a quarter of a million miles, this group of little angels start, hey, let's do this one. And it just swells to all of them. And it comes around and surrounds the glorious city. And you engage in a worship service unlike anything you have ever experienced. And that's not the best one. It just gets better and better and better. We have no idea of how wonderful the worship of heaven is. If I have been enthralled on earth through in the worship of God through what choirs on earth can do and orchestras on earth can do. There's no telling of the enthrallment that I would experience in a time of worship in heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, stars of the night. All they have to do is do what they were created to do and they are worshiping the Creator. That's all they have to do. I know that, uh, is it Job that talks about the stars singing? Recently, I say recently, it's been in the last two or three or four years I read where we keep radio telescopes focused and it picks up sounds and there are ways for them to hear if they if they make adjustments and so forth instead of just hearing static they can actually hear musical notes well maybe that's the way it is we don't have the capacity right now to understand the beautiful music that God's creation makes Praise Him highest heavens and the water that is above the heavens. That speaks, of, that speaks of creation. You have to go back to the Rakia of Bereshit in Genesis. 
separating the waters from above from the waters below. The power of God, even the water above the heavens. Not many people know exactly what that means. And just to see it and to understand why it exists tells us that that the water above the heavens just doing what it was created to do is praise to God. They shall praise the name of Yahweh for he commanded and they were created. This is what we do. We praise the creator. And he set them up to eternity, yea, forever. He issued a decree that will not change. So the creation of God, even in the new heaven and new earth, by the eternal decree of the creator is fit for and created for and established for the worship of the creator. I've never heard or watched celestial bodies, but there is a worship there is a high worship that yet I will enjoy someday and engage even into a higher level of worship. The earth praises the Lord. Praise Yahweh from the earth. Start down with all the deep sea creatures. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, a storm wind Performing his word, the marvel of what the atmosphere of the earth can do. The mountains, all the hills, fruit trees, and all the cedars. The creation of God in, in so many different orders and genres. Beasts, all cattle, creeping things, winged fowl. Kings of the earth, all kingdoms, princes, and all judges of the earth. Here is the truth of creation. We are irreversibly, as a created order on planet earth, inevitably, inevitably marching, moving toward the fulfillment of the purpose of God. And even in that... We find praise. Kings, kingdoms, princes, judges of the earth, the young people, maidens, old men, young men, joining together, finding this one thing that we have in common, and that is this innate desire to engage in the worship of our Creator, to be absorbed in it, to experience it. Unlike any worship we've ever known, and they will praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is powerful. His splendor is on earth and in heaven. The pagan nations worshiped creation. The elect of God worship the creator and all that he does. Finally, the people of Israel praise the Lord. He raised up a horn for his people. He gave them power. 
praise to all of his saints. He gave praise to his saints, to the sons of Israel, to the people near to him. Hallelujah. The instruments were not there to record the grandeur of the worship from within the temple. During those high and holy days in the Old Testament. But I know that it was the grandest display of worship up to that time that the world had ever known. So this transfers into our time. The saints of God are raised up. He gives us the power to worship. All those who are near to him, we can't help but do it. This is, this is the reason for our creation. To worship God, our creator, into the ages of the ages of the ages. And it will be happy. It will be enjoyable. It will be strengthening. It will be unlike any experience. And I'm thinking that into the ages, each new experience of worship will be so much better than the last one. And we'll continue to grow in that forever. Let's pray together. We'll be through. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for filling our hearts with worship, for letting us have those experiences here and for giving us the high and lofty thoughts of worship that's yet to come. We are comforted and strengthened through your word now. And we lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.